Hi, it's Brian, your lunatic friend. I'd like to do something I've never done, and that is to talk to my wife, Cassie, and let you eavesdrop on the conversation. In the last four years, she's been dealing with something that we didn't see coming. It was called trigeminal neuralgia. I think hearing it from her might be more insightful than my observations from the sidelines. And again, this is something I've never done, and she might say that listening to her is something I've never done. Okay, we're sitting on our back porch, and this is me, your lunatic friend, and this is my wife. Hi. Hi, everybody. Um, we might have have cars go by and dogs barking in the background and planes flying over. Oh, and birds. So let me just say, Cass, welcome back after four years of seeing you as half a person almost. It's so wonderful. It's great to have my life back. I'm just so grateful for so many people taking care of me and helping me through the worst time of my life. It really was. I didn't think I was going to get through the pain. And God helped me through. I, you know, I was frustrated because I was wondering why I wasn't healed. And I remember talking to my friend and asking, why hasn't God healed me? And I kept hearing things from church people, you know, accusing me of not having enough faith or the sin in my life. I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay, that's not my God. He's a loving God. And it's because... God had a plan for me, and it was to touch a lot of lives in my pain. But you know what? He never, ever left me. He helped me through each day. I had pain every single day, and he helped me. Even. It's an interesting thing that you never even told me when you were in pain. I. What's the point? It's like... <laughs> I didn't want to keep whining about my pain. And so I wanted to have a life... And I kept moving forward and trying to get through as much as I could. I couldn't drive. After a while, I was taking too many medications and I couldn't drive to my office. I was a successful realtor. I raised children on that salary and then it was gone. And it scared me to only have one income. And it I, And that wasn't going too well either when <laughs> COVID hit. Oh, and right when I got sick, COVID hit, and I didn't want to go to the hospital or see doctors. There were other people who needed help right now because of COVID, and I kept thinking, well, God's going to heal me. God's going to heal me. I don't need the doctors. I don't need the hospital. Which was a good thing because you couldn't get an appointment if you needed to. I didn't have insurance, and that was scary. Uh, there was... In the very beginning, I didn't have insurance because we had jobs and we would <laughs> pay we had, cash. I didn't have insurance because we had jobs. <laughs> <laughs> and we would pay cash. And um, Well, we should tell them that, you know, for years we had a, a combination insurance between with me and you. Yes. And then I had to take Social Security or lose it. And because of the way things were going with concerts, I needed to have some kind of form of income. But then they just dropped you. Yes. Another paperwork nightmare. They of dropped course. you from the insurance at all, all together. So I'm insured and you're not. And of That's course, right. who who gets uh, the affliction? Yeah. <laughs> the one without the insurance. <laughs> it's just figures. And then once we found out what it could be, I was so vain. I felt very vain because I needed dental work done. And I thought, okay, I'm going to get it all done and hurry up. And I did too many. I had um, root canals done and bridges on, all within six months. And I thought, okay, just hurry up and get it done. I got to go back to work. 
And I remember there was a couple in the very beginning of my pain, and it was 2020, and I was already on medication because I learned in 2019 that I had something, and I kept putting them off because I couldn't talk. I couldn't talk to them. It was very hard. I was a little unstable walking around, and I told them, I'm going to um, give you two a really good realtor that will help you out. And they said, we're gonna wait for you. We wanna wait for you. It was so cool. And they did. And it took forever, but they got their house and we closed the deal. And I texted a lot. I couldn't talk. So they were patient, very, very patient. Good clients, young too. They were young, so. That made me happy. That gave me encouragement. What was it like in the emergency room when you still didn't know what you had? Oh, it was horrible. And I remember I was so cold. I would lost so much weight. They kept putting blanket. Uh, they put probably like four blankets on me. And I was still cold, shivering cold. But I thought I was going to die. I remember laying on that bed in the hospital thinking, wow, this is it. And it wasn't so much that I was scared to die, which I was a little bit, because I didn't want to leave my grandbabies. I didn't want to leave my daughters, my husband, my friends. You know, I wanted to be around for a while. And I'm not scared of just don't want to be there yet. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know we were going to go now. <laughs> Yeah, I was scared, and I was trying to hide it from Brian, but he saw right through me. Tell us about, you know, calling all these different doctors, and then you get your hopes up. They talk like they can do something, and then you come back the next time after another MRI and a yeah. and an assumption that it's multiple sclerosis or something else, how that felt. I went to so many neurosurgeons, and the one I was seeing on a regular basis kept telling me, I think you have multiple sclerosis. And I was saying to her, if you were on this medication for this long, you would feel like you're unstable too. And I said, I don't have multiple sclerosis. I have this ailment, please help me. And she kept focusing on multiple sclerosis. Even after my MRIs, they were inconclusive. She said, I want you to get a lumbar puncture. But COVID was going on. I'm like, I'm not going to the hospital to get a needle on my back with COVID. And I switched doctors again. Now I'm on my third. And he was in the same office, but he was really good. And I said to myself, I'm just going to go get the lumbar because I want them to get over that. I want them to stop blaming everything on maybe it's MS. And so I went to that neurosurgeon and he did tests and he said, I'm not going to stick you with a needle. You don't have MS. I said, yes, I know. I... I knew that I'm just trying already. to fill out the paperwork and get on with it. But then come to find out after seeing him several times, I talked him into, will you be my new guy? Can I come and see you now? And he was extremely busy. It was so hard to see doctors. It took months waiting to see them. I, I would make an appointment, which was like a month and a half away. I'm like, come on, this is taking forever. And after the third visit, he told me he doesn't do surgery. I'm like, what? <laughs> Why do I keep seeing you? So 
He recommended me to another neurosurgeon in a different town. I said, okay, I'm gonna go there. Dr. Kloosian, he was so cool. So I went to his office, Brian took me, and I loved him right away. He had knowledge, he gave me hope, and he said, let me get a tighter MRI before I do the surgery. And I said, okay, sure. I went and got the MRI. And a month goes by. Yes, it was still time consuming, but not as bad. And I go back to get the <laughs> MRI, to the appointment where he was gonna read the MRI to me, and he said, okay, I can't, I, I'm not gonna be able to do any surgery. There's no surgery I could do on you. We were dumbfounded. I was, I started crying. I couldn't believe it. We brought him socks. <laughs> <laughs> we bought him socks because he wore fancy socks. Yeah, and... he, he wore uh, character socks and it was so cute. And Brian noticed it right away. And so we bought him socks because we brought him a, a you know a bribery gift because <laughs> we thought hot dog somebody's going to do something. I was just so excited that somebody was actually going to do surgery, and I researched constantly as Brian did, and I saw um, Dr. Zimmerman on YouTube talking about a surgery he does. I watched the whole thing, and I'm like, oh my goodness, that's what I want. So Dr. Zimmerman was the is the uh, from Mayo Clinic? He's, yeah, he's the head neurosurgeon at Mayo Clinic. And at the beginning, I thought, oh well, we're just going to have to pay for it ourselves because insurance is just giving us the runaround constantly. But then, you know, we went, we paid eight hundred dollars to talk to him directly on a Zoom call, and then of course there was another two or three hundred dollars for all of the tech people that were involved in just making that call. So we spent a thousand dollars, and then discovered that the surgery with uh, with the amenities would cost a hundred and fifteen thousand dollars and i thought babe we can't do this this is we'll be bankrupt and we thought we could get a government help on it yeah we applied for financial assistance and then we discovered that um you can't get financial assistance unless you're horribly in debt already <laughs> well that's we would be if we did the surgery but we're not that type of we're not those people we pay our bills. As broke as we are, we make sure our bills are paid. But um, That's why we live in a van down by the river. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's challenging. So I was very, very discouraged. Dr. Zimmerman was awesome, though, in the Zoom call because he did the whole surgery and showed me. He showed us me, pictures of yeah. an actual surgery. Yeah, he did. He showed me exactly what they do and how they do it. And I was like, ah. I want that. I want that done. That's what I need. I had to send him my records and my MRIs. And he looked at me and he said, yes, you're a candidate. And so I'm like, wow. But then my hopes... But were, then we saw the bill. Yeah. My hopes were then crushed again because of the financial struggle. It was in a different state. And my insurance would not go to Arizona. So, so tell them about CyberKnife. Then I did more research, and Brian actually found this. In Orange County, there was a place that did CyberKnife for TN. CyberKnife is a uh, non-invasive <laughs> thing where they pinpoint radiation. It's usually for cancer treatments, but they were using it to kill the nerve. And we decided, well, maybe we could just kill the nerve. It'd better to have a dead nerve than to live in with half your life. I was in so much pain at that point. I told Brian, please, I have to do something. I can't live like this. I can't take it. I mean, I contemplated suicide a couple times because the pain was so bad. I didn't care if I died. I'm like, I'll be out of pain. But God help me. 
He helped me every... I pray to Him. I call on the Holy Spirit to help me through these pains. And they did. But then I was a little taken back with some of the Christian friends. It was kind of like Job. You know, the story in the Bible about Job. Because, you know, there was something I was doing or I wasn't having enough faith why I wasn't being healed. And I said, I am being healed. It's just not instantaneous. And I said, I don't know why God hasn't healed me instantaneous, but together we're touching a lot of people. There's a lot of people talking to him and praying, you know, for me to him and reaching out and it's changing their lives. I was so excited that at least people are, you know, reaching out and talking to God. And I told God, okay, your perfect timing, I will be healed, but um, don't leave me. <laughs> I need you to help me with the pain. And I remember crying and closing my eyes and just praying, okay, it's painful and I have to take my pill and I can't open my mouth and I can't drink water. I was drinking water like a bird with like a dropper just so I wouldn't get dehydrated. I had to take pills like that. And at some point I crushed the pills up and was taking it and that was painful. No matter how I took it, it was painful. So God helped me through that pain a lot. Tell me about the surgery the day you finally got something done. Oh, it was, I was scared. I was very scared. But because they were going to shave my head. <laughs> Once again, that vanity thing comes in. <laughs> and I kept saying, it's just hair. It'll grow back. you got to get rid of this pain. And so there were so many things that could go wrong. And I might not wake up. And I'm like, okay, well, whatever. I, you know, I can't live like this. This is not living I went to Keck Hospital in USC because I eventually said that I have exhausted all the doctors in our area. And I talked to a lady and she went to Scripps in San Diego. And I thought, Brian's son lives in Scripps. He could stay there while I go to surgery there. So I pressed upon my insurance company to go out of area to go to Scripps. So they wouldn't do it. And they said, but we will let you go to USC at Keck. USC. I said, what? Okay, whatever. I don't care. Somewhere. So that's how I ended up down there. And one, you made a decision uh, about CyberKnife. We thought we'd take, we'd try the CyberKnife treatment because it was only $11,000. Oh yeah, I got off track. <laughs> but you know, uh, let me just say really quick, because we're going to stay with the other thing. But at CyberKnife, we, we started to realize that it was an $11,000 operation, but it might not kill the nerve, they said. And the guarantee was only for about three years of pain relief. And they said, you, you might need to have this as many as five times. I'm going, well, now we're back up to the, the cost of, yeah. of a real surgery. Because we had a Zoom appointment with that doctor as well. And I went to Brian and I said, babe, I don't want to get that done because it's only 68%, maybe. And for three years, I only have, by the time I heal, half of my time's already gone because I have a long road of recovery. I lost so much muscle mass. I remember telling friends, I lost 30 pounds and they're like, oh, that's nice. I said, no, I lost all my muscle. I can't walk, I can't hold glasses. I drop stuff all the time because I don't have enough muscle mass to hold it. So it's not always a good thing to lose weight. If it was fat, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up after the surgery and immediately because I woke up first of all I didn't think yeah. I was gonna wake up 
But when I woke up, I could tell the difference. And I was praising God. Okay, he wanted me to go to Keck Hospital for some reason. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Just don't leave me. (laughs) Just hold my hand. I woke up and I just started crying because I could tell a difference. Then they wanted me to drink some water and I used a straw that I haven't used in four years. Like a straw, not like a dropper. Yeah. <laughs> and I started crying. I'm like, look at me, I'm drinking through the, I'm drinking through a straw. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy little things like that, but it was a big difference to me. When you got home, uh, you answered the phone to some of our friends and they could instantly tell oh, that you're slur- yeah. you weren't slurring your speech and you didn't sound foggy and even your grandbabies. Yeah. They, everyone was so amazed at the transformation. But here's the thing. I remember talking to, I was so discouraged with the insurance company and, you know, turning me down and not getting healed and going from doctor to doctor and test this test, that test. And Troy, it's a friend called and he kept telling me to keep moving forward keep moving forward. He said, it's like pushing a rock up a hill a little bit at a time. And I would get so discouraged. And I, I, after I talked to him, I felt, okay, here I go. This is pushing. And Brian and I constantly said, it's like we're pushing a rock up a hill. Not just a rock. It's pushing a boulder up oh, the hill, I yeah, think. Yeah, a and- boulder. It's so frustrating, the medical world how it's how it is now you need help and there's so many things you have to go through to get any help so you know what i was amazed at though is when they had a huddle meeting with you at at pre-op at tech medical and there was like 12 people involved in the surgery and then i started to realize here's why it's expensive it's not just one guy making a hundred thousand dollars yeah he's got an entire team and another neurosurgeon backing him up and i was asking the nurse why you're scar was so nasty he was like it's crooked she says we have to circumvent any blood veins in your head because if we nick a blood vein in your brain um that can lead to death and uh i'm glad she didn't tell me that before the surgery (laughs) i'm going well thanks for not telling me and uh and so that's why you know with quarter size hole they stuck in your head behind your ear and i and i wanted to tell the doctor i told him later uh, when he called to say that you it was a successful surgery and i said you know, I forgot to tell you that, you know, while you had her head open, maybe you could fix a couple other things. <laughs> <laughs> It'll always be a scar of triumph. And I, I owe a lot of it to you guys. So thank you so much. I really... What would you like to say? We've we've heard from several people who were encouraged because a lot of people didn't know there was help for trigeminal neuralgia, number one. And then other people that are in surgeries or have been taking medications for years yeah. and are still dealing with stuff, what would you say to them about prayer and about faith in God and what does it mean? I, I had many, many times where I was frustrated or angry with God. <laughs> <laughs> and I try not to show it to anybody because I'm like, uh-oh, don't get mad at God. But I'd be like, God, please, why, why, why? And, I, you know, I wanted to turn my back on God. And I did it for about five minutes. And I'm like, okay, I'm back. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what I meant to say was. <laughs> but don't give up. I know there's so many challenges everywhere you turn. And people that are challenging too, 
you know, the system challenges you. But don't give up on God. It's not instant. Sometimes it's not. And I didn't understand that because so many people were healed instantly. And it And takes... I figured that, you know, well, maybe God loves them better than us. <laughs> right? But God does love you. And he had to do some, he didn't have to, but he did some things that changed my life, changed my daughter's life, my husband's life, lots of my friends. And that, it's not just about me. It's about a lot of people around me, how God is is helping them through things that they only God knows that they need. One thing that I've noticed is, you know, our kids are annoying. They're renegades. <laughs> they don't like to listen to us. And they don't really see us as, uh, you know, an icon of salvation. <laughs> but I, I did notice um, with the girls, the way Mother's Day before the surgery, the way they spoke about you in glowing terms of sainthood um, for your courage and your strength and your perseverance. And I think sometimes God allows us to walk through adversities because it speaks volume. Because he knows how strong we really are. You walking through the hardship of pain spoke things to our kids um, and our friends and me in a way that nothing else would. I, I was just stunned that you could speak so softly and uh, reverently to God at the dinner table. Uh, you know, right when I was... I started having you pray because I wasn't... I was <laughs> in a good mood. Well, I'm just so grateful to so many people. I'm I could really see the love of God all around us and I'm so grateful for it. And I think God helped me see that, you know. Uh I needed to see I'm loved by so many people and so many people care about me and I didn't get it. I always thought it was about looks. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, you got I look my cute. attention. <laughs> you certainly got my attention, but um... and it's about heart, you know, about heart of people, and that's what matters. So don't give up. I know it's so hard, especially when you're in so much pain and you want to give up or you want to turn from God. Don't do it. God will help you through. Look, four years, four years I went through this and now, voila, God helped me through it. And sometimes he doesn't help you by being the genie in the bottle, you know? Okay, just tell one, one last thing here. How did it feel to have your daughters telling you what to do? Oh my goodness. They still do that too. They're like, slow down. Don't do that. You can't do that, Mom. Sometimes I think you would be belligerent just the way they would when you used to tell them what to do. Well, now my daughter is actually washing my hair, and she gets the shampoo <coughs> out, shampoos my hair, tends to my scar. I mean, it's amazing, and she's not even 30, you know? she's Yeah, she turned into a responsible adult. I don't know what to do with her now. I'm just shocked, and she's like journaling. You know, we need to write this down. How's your pain? What medication did you take? You know, did you eat today? You know, you need to walk. Don't forget, I know you don't like, you don't um have the strength to walk, but you, you're building it up. You know, just little things like that. And, you know, and she calls and checks on me when she's not here. She's here every single day. And she's cooking food and cleaning the house. And I'm like, this is my daughter? <laughs> my baby? <laughs> Yeah, remember what a pain she was back in the early days? Right? Um, she had challenges back then, too. So I'm grateful. And my sister, 
she came out from back east and she did so many things for me she went to the store for me she cleaned she made oh she makes the best cheesecake and i kept telling her before you leave you have to make me a cheesecake i've been thinking about it for a year so well um welcome back um uh, we you. have we still have a lot of work to do you've got to get your muscles back i feel like yeah i gotta go home i gotta walk my wife <laughs> it sounds like yeah she's my new pet yeah well i i lost a lot but I gained a lot, so I'm grateful. And it changes your prayer life. Eventually, I mean, you don't think they're working, and then you start to realize God has his timing. And I was scared that I'd be like the lepers that were healed and walked away and never came back. And I thought, once I'm healed, will I still talk to God every single day? Because I talk to him every day. It, it's a different gratefulness. It's a, it's like, search my heart, oh Lord. I can't walk away, ever. I, I just want to be with him all the time and, you know, talk to him. And He's my friend. He's my, my guide. Hey, listen, um, I've enjoyed talking to you on the back porch. I hope you guys have enjoyed the conversation. But I'm all out of coffee. Now that Cassie could walk to the kitchen, I'm going to get her to... I'm going to get her to go get me some coffee so I uh, could enjoy myself now because, you know, it's been really hard having to watch her go through all this pain. This has been a Nutshell Sermon special. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was 25 minutes long. But my wife can talk again. So be praying for me because, you know, that's not going to stop anytime soon. And thanks for listening and for praying for us. We appreciate it.